0: Well, good morning everyone, and welcome back to Heroes, Villains, and Redemption. My name is Jonathan, and today we'll be embarking on a very famous and old character named Superman. But before we begin, customarily we start off with a video, and so I recorded a very short snippet to prevent ourselves from hitting copyright laws. A very short snippet from a video from a video called, um, I'm sorry, from a movie called Man of Steel. My apologies, Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder. So have a look and we'll be right back. The people of Earth are different from us, it's true. But ultimately, I believe that's a good thing. They won't necessarily make the same mistakes we did. Not if you guide them, Carl. Welcome back. Last week we explored the Hulk, more specifically Bruce Banner, and we concluded that the reason why Banner was often feeling angry was because his anger was an expression of a wound in his soul, and that wound was helplessness, i.e., he cannot control uh, the situation, or he cannot control the environment, or he's getting stressed out because the environment's running away from him, and or he's out of his element. So whenever he gets a feeling of helplessness. He gets angry. And when he gets angry, the incredible Hulk turns up. So, last week we explored how the gospel engages with Bruce Banner, and more importantly, how the gospel redeems Bruce Banner. If you missed the sermon, I invite you to go into our website at cruciblechurch.com, click on the podcast or the videos uh, link, and you could watch it or listen to it. For your enjoyment. However, we'll move on to our next character, namely Superman. Okay, Superman, Man of Steel. Superman is an interesting character because both Brian Singer, uh, the director for Superman Returns, and Zack Snyder, the director of the horrible, horrible movie Man of Steel, they both try to equate Superman with Jesus. Like, and saying that both Jesus and Superman are the same. Well, they're not. No matter how Zack Snyder tried so hard, very hard, like by dropping in like church scenes and trying to have Superman when he was surrendering to Zod to make him look like he's on a cross, like do a crucifix pose. No matter how hard Zack Snyder tried, Superman is not Jesus. Full stop, end story. Trying to equate Jesus with Superman is just so wrong in so many levels. Yes, like uh, I, we are in Good Friday Easter weekend, and uh, it is tempting to think, trying to grasp all these narratives from various sources, but don't try to grasp the Superman narrative and trying to equate it with Jesus. It's just not right. However. Throughout my research on Superman, yes, I did some research, and um, and really good research by reading a lot of comics, and uh, no, just kidding, I just looked up marvel.com. After uh, researching uh, Superman's narrative, there's a question that just kept on coming out uh, right in front of me, and the question is this, what is salvation? Because one of the quotes that caught my eye was Lois Lane's quote uh, when she met up with Superman after Doomsday. Now. Superman disappeared for a while, and when he returned, uh, he met up with, of course, the love of his life, Lois Lane. And Lois, being Lois, uh, told Superman, look dude, the world doesn't need a savior. They don't need a savior anymore. They can do things themselves. Yet Superman responds to her and says, you know, with my super hearing, little lady, uh, I could hear every single cry around the world begging for a savior. So what gives? Why do you say that the world doesn't need a Savior, yet I hear them all the time saying that they do need a Savior? So here's my point today for this morning. Funny, I said today, this morning. No, here's my point this morning. What is salvation? Because how we define salvation is how we will determine what we expect from our Savior salvation how we define salvation is going to determine how what we expect our savior to do hint it has nothing to do with avoiding hell okay let's look at superman's bio very briefly and quite quickly so superman originated from krypton and krypton was about to blow up and the planet was going to go boom and doom and everybody's going to disappear so jor-el the, father, uh, the biological father of Superman, whose Superman's name is actually Kal-El. Jor-El has this bright idea. Uh, he has been planning it for a long time. He thought that he would load up himself, his wife, and the baby, baby Superman, into the spaceship and uh, blast off into a zone called the Phantom Zone, where Krypton keeps all their nasty criminals in there. It's like a spatial prison. However... Jorel gave it a second thought saying you know what it's not so good to send my family over to a prison where there's like the most brutal most violent criminals there so he stayed put and asked the high Council of Krypton to continually to like pers- try to persuade him that hey the plan is going to go doom and go boom and we better find an escape plan The high council stubborn as they were they kept on dismissing Jorel. So Jor-El uh, kept on pers- persisting pers- and devising plans on how to uh, provide an escape plan for his family. Well, lo and behold, the planet's uh, uh, star- doom is imminent, and uh, earthquakes happen, and lava was spewing everywhere like geysers. And it was pretty much too late for any planning. So jor and his wife loaded up baby... I was about to say baby Jesus. Uh, load up baby Superman into a spaceship, launched him into space, and Krypton, Krypton just blew up. So, as, uh, as, as Superman was uh, drifting into space and uh, hovering there and heading towards Earth, he arrives Earth, crash lands, and lo and behold, a farmer couple who just came back from the doctor, who was just told by their doctor that they are not, al- not going to have children because they are not able to, yeah, go figure. Finds Superman in the spaceship uh, as a baby, and Mar- Martha Kent gives the name to this baby Clark Kent. Names this baby Clark Kent, and so Clark grows up, and uh, for some odd reason, Marvel thinks that puberty happens only when you're twenty, and so uh, when Clark hits twenty years old, and he becomes, he's become, he's in his pubescent stage. Um, he gets a lot of these powers, he has uh, laser uh, laser eyes, he has super strength, he's super fast uh, He could stop trains, lift up cars, most importantly, x-ray vision, that's a fun one uh, And he's wondering why, why is he having so many powers and why is he so different from the other 20-year-old men Yeah, so uh, Jonathan and Martha uh, Martha Stewart, Jonathan and Martha Kent Uh, Approach Clark and says, you know, what? it's about time to tell you about your origins And so they showed him the spaceship and they gave him the box that they found in the spaceship And this box opens up shows a hologram of uh, Kal-El's dad Jor-El and Jor-El advises him that yeah, you're gonna be different dude But you got to find your own purpose and so the story goes on and story continues and Superman finds his purpose by Realizing that he could save people. He does that really well from, uh, you know, saving people from physical calamity. So he goes, hey, I do this job pretty good So and I get accolades and I get news about uh, on me and I get and I become famous So he starts uh, saving people and for some reason the people that he saves are really good-looking Besides the point, but he saves people. He uh, uh, saves them from calamity. So everybody goes, yeah, Superman yet there were doubters there were a lot of skeptics and one of the biggest skeptics was my favorite comic book character which we will end off with in this whole entire series is batman and this is batman's view of superman and uh, so batman says this his whole planet superman's planet was destroyed he's the last of the holocaust he grew up in the dirt finding out slowly how different he was a stranger discovering every day how strange he was. He has the power to tear the world apart. And he could do it with a pinky. It's not his world. We're not his people. We should be ants to him. Imagine that. Always being on the outside. The pain that would come from always being on the outside. And yet he took the pain and became the symbol of hope. Bye-bye. Well, Superman, through his good deeds and providing people with safety and keeping them from physical harm. Batman says this provided hope for the people. Really? Yeah, at the same time, people were suspicious of him. There were even people who didn't want him around because they didn't need a savior, aka Lois Lane. And that's where Superman's entire narrative hinges upon, I noticed. In his entire story, his story arc, he thought he was humanity's savior. But he had no clue what the world really really needed, nor did he knew what the people wanted in a savior. Was it to save them from physical harm and get back to normal life? Because if that's the case, that can't go forever, nonstop, because they will always be in physical harm. Folks, people will always get themselves into trouble. We're sheep. Dumb sheep. So we will always get into physical harm. But also, after he saves them from physical harm, how come they still don't trust him? Well, they do trust him for a time, but then they don't trust him, they still don't welcome him as a peer. That's the pain that Batman was talking about. So why are they still suspicious? Why is Batman still su- suspicious? And why is... It they- so it's only when they're in trouble that they cannot resolve it on their own that Superman, prov- Superman provides hope for them. Yet what are they looking for then? What is the ultimate salvation people are looking for? Because it seems very nebulous, inconsistent, and quite frankly, very conditional For because Superman has to save them in order to give them this hope. How can the gospel speak into this then? How can the gospel free Superman of this burden of always thinking that he needs to save people from physical harm in order to provide them with hope for something that neither he nor the people know what they're hoping for. Just a little uh, side note, sorry about the leaf blower guy outside, not quite sure why he picked this time to do leaf blowing and not too sure why he's still focused on that one stupid leaf out there. He's literally circling around that leaf and uh, just blowing it around. Well done. Let's get back to this point. Some of you may have heard of the Superman complex. Well, the Superman complex is all about uh, thinking that you have to save everyone, that everyone is incapable of saving themselves. That's Superman right there. So how can the gospel redeem Superman from his Superman complex? And how can the gospel help Superman define what humanity really needs when it comes to salvation and what they really need in a savior? Because only then, only when we define what salvation is, is only then what, how we actually know what Jesus did on the cross and when he resurrected during this Easter weekend. That's our point today. So let's move on. Let's go to our passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we we will begin in verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Let's now define salvation using Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. So based on Paul, this salvation that we are hoping for is definitely not this. It's definitely not about freeing us from our current problems or guaranteeing us that we won't encounter physical harm. It won't guarantee us from preventing sickness or to experience COVID-19 or experience financial turmoil. It does not guarantee us Employment. It does not guarantee us that we will be free from all sickness. It doesn't guarantee us. The gospel does not guarantee a good, healthy, and safe life. God's salvation does not, for example, guarantee that you or I will be involved, will, will never be involved in a plane crash. So for Superman, Knowing this salvation right here, right now, like this truth about the salvation that doesn't guarantee a good, healthy, safe life, this should provide Superman freedom, a relief. God's salvation for humanity is not concerned about what the world wants or desires. So salvation defined by God is not concerned really about us having a normal life, whatever that means. Many times when people say, when I come across people, whenever I hear this word, the the phrase hope, usually it follows with something else. So usually when people say, I hope, it's usually qualified by, I hope things get better or back to normal within that their own context, right? But that's not what we are to hope for. This is still operating within what Paul would say, darkness or asleep. We are still operating in darkness or still asleep, living as if we're asleep when we continue to think that God's salvation is here to just give us good, healthy, safe lives. If we continue to think that the gospel is just to provide us with good things of what we want and what we desire, and that the salvation here is mainly just to keep us safe and avoid things like hell and avoid things like uh, I'm getting hurt or getting sick or getting unemployed, we're still asleep. We're still in the darkness because there is something greater, something beyond us, something way better that is offered in God's salvation. Something even bigger, something that is light, Paul would say, in salvation that we are to expect and hope for, not just a normal life. So what is the salvation then? If it's not this, if it's not good and, and healthy and safe lives, uh, what is it? What is salvation? First, salvation, Paul says, it's the opposite of wrath. And how Paul defines wrath and how actually the Bible that defines it and how the Jews actually define wrath till this day is anything apart from God. If we are apart from God and not in God's presence, we are in wrath. So Paul says that through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus made available a freedom from wrath because he made available for us to be in God's presence. Paul says we, are there, we live together with Jesus. Whether in life or death, we live together in Jesus, in God's presence. That is opposite of wrath. That is salvation. Salvation, then, is in the presence of God. That is the greatest hope that we have. Not a normal life not a safe life, not a healthy life, not a life that is free from troubles or physical and mental sufferings. No, those things will occur. Those things will occur. But we place our hope in, in light of those sufferings, we place our hope that in the end, and even currently now, that we are in God's presence. That in the end, this whole creation will be made new. The whole cosmos, the whole order of things, will be made new, and we will be in the presence of God with Jesus. And that's the salvation we hope for. That's why we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. God knows that we will always encounter suffering because this world is fallen. It's freakishly old. The suffering that we encounter and the world's sufferings that it encounters, All of creation, like Paul says, screams and yearns for something completely new. Yet good news, it's made available through the death and resurrection of Jesus. This new kingdom, this new creation, this new world and cosmos, free from sickness, death, and sorrow, and weeping, in the end, this new kingdom will come into fruition because Jesus' death on Good Friday and resurrection on Easter Sunday made this available. Is there a need then for a superman if we have the salvation waiting for us? Is there a need for a superman if our current sufferings do not compare to the magnitude of this new creation that is coming and breaking in? Is there a need for a superman then if we know that while we're living that we are actually living in Jesus in with Jesus, together with Jesus in God's presence as noted by Paul in verse 10? That regardless of what what we're facing, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be unemployment, whether it be financial crisis, whether it be pain and suffering, whether it be sickness, whether it be a loss of loved one, whether it be uh, mental suffering, physical suffering, you name it, that regardless of what we're facing, that as we live, Paul says in verse 10, Jesus is living with us, that we are living together with him in God's presence. If that is the case, is there still a need. For a Superman, I would say no. Superman can actually be free from this whole burden of protecting people from physical harm. Then we can be free from this whole burden of trying to keep ourselves, uh, of being afraid of getting hurt or trying to find security in various things, trying to grasp things to keep us safe and healthy and good. No, Superman can be can find freedom in this salvation, in this salvation of how God defines salvation. Superman can find freedom and repurpose his life in light of this salvation. We can repurpose our lives in light of this salvation that God has in store for us, that is made available to us in Jesus' death and resurrection. So how should we respond then? How can we repurpose our lives? What are the steps to repurpose our life, to realign to respond in light of this salvation. How shall our life reflect this response in light of this salvation? And that's where we move to verse 11 in 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another then, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing right now. And we urge your brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays wrong for wrong but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Notice that. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, folks, is how we respond in light of the salvation that we have in God. That, folks, is how we respond in light of this glorious hope that we have of this new kingdom, this new creation that will come into fruition, come into fullness when Jesus returns. How should we leave? That's how we live, in light. And that's how we live in light is through verse 11 to 23. So let me leave this with you all, a benediction, a blessing. Let's pray. And I will use the last verse as our blessing and our benediction today. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before you go, I have four questions for reflection to leave with you. Now, you could uh, just use these questions as your small group discussion, or you could just uh, use them for your own self-reflection and just write it down in your journal. So here is the first question. Recently, what have you been praying to God repeatedly? Share with your group or write in your journal the entire story of how the request started and where you are now. Second question, if you were in Jesus' shoes or sandals, how would you see your request? What would you say to yourself in response to your request? So pretend that you're Jesus and you see yourself. I, in like For my example, Jesus sees Jonathan Chan and he sees Jonathan Chan's prayer requests. What would Jesus, what would I, if I was Jesus, say to Jonathan Chan in response to my request? Third question, has what we learned and discussed today change your perspective on Jesus and your requests. And lastly, discuss in your group or do a personal reflection using your journal on what you are thankful for during Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Because we are told by Paul to be thankful in all circumstances. So I find that, uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, that when we are find ourselves anxious, when we are afraid, when we come across uncertainty or suffering and pain, we need to reflect on what we are grateful for in light of God's salvation. And so today, I encourage you to list out in your journals as many things as you can, like it could be three, four, five, or even 10, 10 things that you are thankful for in light of God's salvation during this weekend of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Now, hopefully that you can uh, join our Sunday uh, worship service. Um, we are, again, holding a Callbridge video conference call. I listed the uh, the link at the bottom of this screen here. And so uh, we will start at 11 and it'll go down till 12 o'clock, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Click on that link or call in using the, access, using the phone number and then uh, use the access code. Uh, feel free to join us if you're available during that time. We'll be... Uh, briefly discussing some uh, some stuff, uh, some questions, and uh, maybe I'll just ask, do some Q and A with everyone. But most importantly, I will take you through some psalms again. Uh, we will read the psalms, do some reflection, some prayer, pray for one another, and also uh, pro- and allow me to provide a blessing for all of us. Uh, on that on Sunday. So hopefully you can join us for worship service that Sunday. And also, don't forget to uh, look at the, the uh, either on the Facebook page or um, through whatever medium you have. We, uh, our worship leader has listed some songs, YouTube links uh, for some songs that, uh, that our worship leader suggests to help you worship in your own space as we continue through this social distancing. So blessings to you. Have a blessed week. And I hope to see you on Sunday.